action. Action, man. Life off the track. How you're doing? Uh, your sweet-looking ride for Knoxville. Okay. Uh, Just look at it. Kind of like the highlights of your career and everything. I'm going to ask you who your hero is. Isn't the slogan, make money? Just... <laughs> I couldn't say that for it. Well, he's more nervous than you are. He should be nervous. Me? <laughs> I, I pulled up some dirt about him, too. So. Oh. Yep. Wait, what? Don't worry about it, buddy. It's what? my podcast now. Hey everybody, welcome back in to the Motorsports Dig Podcast. I am your host Kyle McFadden and that was David Gravel and I shooting the breeze uh, before our 40 minute conversation that we had this past weekend at the Williams Grove Speedway. Uh, you are going to hear our 40 minute conversation uh, that we recorded from this past weekend uh, momentarily uh, during this latest episode of the Motorsports Dig Podcast. David Gravel uh, and I talked about a lot of things uh, that surround uh, himself off the track and on the track. Uh, so uh, you will hear uh, that conversation here momentarily, but I just want to run down uh, this past weekend uh, and the Mid-Atlantic Super Late Model Driver ratings and rankings as well as the Central Pennsylvania Sprint Car Driver ratings and rankings. But first, I was at Williams Girl Speedway uh, this past weekend for the Word of Outlaws Summer National Swing up at the Grove, and uh, it, it was great racing, I have to say. Uh, make sure uh, you look back uh, in our latest episodes. I've just posted uh, a recap of the Summer Nationals uh, up uh, on all of our major podcasting platforms with my good friend Brett Rose, uh, so make sure you go check out that. It's around uh, a half an hour conversation that I had with Brett Rose. You will also hear from race winners Tim Schaefer, who won on Friday night, and then Donnie Schatz, who won his seventh Word of Outlaws race of the season on Saturday night at the Grove. You will hear from them, as well as Sheldon Hottenshield, who put in uh, a strong performance on Saturday night, came runner-up to Donnie Schatz, and then hear also from Brad Sweet, uh, who is fresh off his King's Royal victory last weekend at the Eldora Speedway. Uh, and he also finished on the podium on Saturday night. He also leads Donnie Shots by eight points in the Word of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink uh, point standings. Uh, by, by eight points, Brad leads Donnie uh, in, the, in the standings. Uh, and then David Gravel, who we are about to hear from, he is third in the points, 106 points behind uh, points leader Brad Sweet. Uh, Brad Sweet has 11 wins on the season. Donnie Schatz has seven. Uh, David Gravel, five wins on the season. 106 points uh, behind Brad Sweet, like we mentioned. Uh, Darren Pittman, fourth in the standings, 232 points behind Brad Sweet. And then Logan Schuhart, fifth in the standings, 296 points uh, behind Brad Sweet uh, on the Word of Our Laws, NOS Energy Drink, Sprint Car, season point standings. But running down uh, the Regent from this past weekend, Rick Eckert took home the Ultimate Northeast Super Late Model 40-lap feature at Babs Motor Speedway on Saturday night. That was Rick Eckert's fifth win of the season, tying him with Jason Covert for the most in the Mid-Atlantic region. Jared Miley on Friday night won up at Bedford. That was Jared's uh, fourth win of the season for him. Donald Lingo won uh, in Del Mar at Delaware International Speedway. Uh, 
up at Elkins in West Virginia. Jay Miller picked up his first win of, of the season. Super late model action. Trevor Feathers picked up his third win of the season at uh, Winchester Speedway. Back-to-back uh, -back wins for him. He also won a Hagerstown Speedway last weekend in the Red Nininger Memorial. So Trevor Feathers hitting his stride here uh, in the back half of the summer. And then Mike Laffard uh, won his third race of the season uh, in a five-car field at Dog Hollow Speedway on Sunday. And uh, Dog Hollow has moved their features and their events from Saturday night uh, to Sunday evening. So we'll have to see how that plays out for Dog Hollow uh, Speedway. But like we mentioned, uh, Central Pennsylvania, uh, the Word of Outlaws rolled into Williams Grove this past weekend. They were the only uh, 410 sprint car action uh, in Central PA uh, this past weekend. Tim Schaefer, winner on Friday night, and then Donnie Schatz, winner on Saturday night. Uh, in the Word of Outlaws swing at Williams Grove Speedway. The next time the Word of Outlaws are in Central PA will be for the National Open later in September at Williams Grove Speedway as well. But uh, Lance DeWeese uh, has been sitting on top the whole season for the Central PA Sprint Car Rankings. Uh, he is number one again this week, averaging 34.5 points uh, per race. Danny Dietrich clocking in at second. Uh, Logan Wagner third. Lucas Wolf. Uh, who suffered multiple compression fractures in his back and a nasty flip at Lebanon Valley Speedway in New York. Uh, he's powering fourth. Uh, we'll see if he returns this season. I hope Lucas uh, has a speedy recovery, but he is powering fourth uh, on the season. He's expected uh, in an eight-week recovery for Lucas, so I uh, hope Lucas has a speedy recovery. But Freddie Raymer, fifth. Uh, in the power rankings this week, Corey Eliason, e even though he's only run uh, nine features on the season, he is eligible in the rankings. You just have to run a third uh, of the races or um, you you have to 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 run uh, a third of the weeks, I should say. And since we have run uh, 19 weeks so far in Central PA, uh, Corey Eliason fits into that with his nine features. Uh, so he's almost run during half the weeks. Um that Central PA has run uh, 410 sprint cars, but Corey Eliasson powering sixth, Ryan Smith seventh, Kyle Reinhardt eighth, uh, Anthony Macri ninth, and Alan Crimes rounds out the, the top ten. Uh, Blaine Heimbach eleventh, Brian Monte twelfth, Dylan Sisney thirteenth, uh, Adam Wilt fourteenth, Brock Zierfoss fifteenth, Chad Trout sixteenth, Ryan Taylor seventeenth, Mike Wagner eighteenth, Jimmy Siegel nineteenth, and TJ Stutz uh, is your top twenty for this week's Central PA sprint car driver ratings. Uh, and rankings, Danny Dietrich sits atop uh, the total points chase with 1,083.5 points uh, over Freddie Raymer, who now sits second with 882.5 points, almost uh, 200 full points that Danny Dietrich sits ahead of Freddie Raymer on the season. Danny Dietrich, nine wins and 41 features. Freddie Raymer, seven wins and 41 features. Uh, but the big difference are the podiums. Danny Dietrich has 23 podiums in those 41 features, giving him uh, a 56% podium clip, uh, when Freddie Raymer only has 12 podiums on the season and 41 features. Uh, that's a 29% clip uh, for Freddie. So Danny Dietrich holding a commanding uh, lead in the Central Pennsylvania points standings. Now uh, Mid-Atlantic Super Late Models uh, driver ratings and rankings. 
Um, Jason Covert sits atop the total points chase with 543.5 total points. Uh, but Jeff Ryan is close behind. He's 5.5 points behind Jason Covert. Uh, Jason Covert has five wins and 19 features, also leads the Mid-Atlantic uh, with 13 podiums in those 19 features. Jeff Ryan, uh, three wins, six podiums uh, in 26 features. Rick Eckert, uh, close behind in third, 499 total points for him. Dylan Yoder is fourth, 466.5 points. Uh, Andy Haas, fifth, uh, not far behind as well, 455 points, uh, sitting in fifth for Mr. Haas, uh, whereas Jason Covert, who leads the total points chase, uh, 543.5 points for Jason Covert. But um, in terms of power rankings this week, Rick Eckert, he's, he's been on top all season long like, like Lance DeWeese has uh, in Central PA. Rick Eckert locking down the top spot, averaging 33.3 points per race. He, and even though Mason Ziegler hasn't run in the region in a while, he is second, averaging 30.5 points. Uh, Jason Covert uh, is power ranked third. Max Blair fourth. Greg Satterley fifth. Dylan Yoder sixth. Alan Brandon seventh. Trevor Feathers climbs to eighth this week. Gene Knob ninth. Michael Norris uh, rounds out the top 10. Kyle Lee uh, clocks in at 11th this week. Austin Hubbard 12th. Gary Stuhler 13th. Justin Weaver 14th. Jeff Ryan 15th. Tyler Horst, uh, he's having a, a good season. Uh, he's power ranked 16th. Uh, Colby Fry 17th. Andy Haas 18th. Alex Faree 19th, and Matt Cosner rounds out the top 20 in this week's Mid-Atlantic Super Late Model Driver Ratings and Rankings. But now it's time to hear from David Gravel, who currently sits third in the NOS Energy Drink. What about Lost Sprint Car Series point standings? 106 points behind points leader uh, Brad Sweet through 44 races of the 2019 season. David has five wins on the season. He's actually finished third uh, in the Word of Outlaws point standings the past three seasons, dating back to 2016 when he drove for CJB Motorsports. Uh, he drove for them in 2016, 2017, and 2018, totaling 32 wins over that three-year stretch, but then he parted ways with CJB Motorsports over this past offseason, joined forces with Jason Johnson Racing, and he's pretty much picked up where he's left off, third in the points. Uh, David's going to talk about that and what uh, he needs to do to get over that uh, third place hump, so to speak. But next week is the Knoxville Nationals, and he is running a sweet paint scheme. Jeff Gordon has hooked him up with Exalta Racing for next week's Knoxville Nationals. Uh, David is going to talk about that, and let's just get straight into it. Uh, here is our conversation with David Gravel. All right, everybody, welcome back into the Motorsports Dig podcast. I'm now with David Gravel here at the Williams Grove Speedway before night number two of the Word of Outlaws Summer Nationals. David, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's nice and cool in this lounge here, so uh, <laughs> feeling pretty good. Yeah, man, it definitely feels a whole lot better th than out there. But uh, how are you doing, man? You got five wins on the season so far, your most recent uh, Tuesday night up at Lernerville. How's the season been so far for you? Like, how are you doing with uh, Jason Johnson racing? I think it's going well. Um, here the last month or two, we've been really, really strong. You know, we had a couple little rough patches uh, early in the year, and then around Charlotte and May, we had a couple bad races in a row. But other than that, it's been really, really well. Uh, I think you take six races out of our whole season, and we've been pretty damn good every night. So. Uh, it's awesome to be uh, this good and this close uh, first-year team, and you know we'll keep working at it and see what we could do. Yeah. So when you're, I guess, like changing teams over the off season and the first few months, just um, in terms of just like the transition uh, from CJB to JJR, 
what what uh what were some of the things that maybe you really try to just like focus on was it just like the relationships with you know being around new people and everything like that uh change of a routine possibly like how would you just kind of walk through the transition aspect of it well it was pretty easy because you know barry and phil were close to the same age and uh no i'm just kidding <laughs> but uh no it was good um it's one of those things they accepted me with open arms and uh it's going well you know uh we started the season off trying all different kinds of combinations and, yeah and trying to get me comfortable and uh we were able to get that at a pretty quick pace so it's one of those things man uh you never know how it's going to go you could have all the right pieces to the puzzle and still struggle and uh, just all about making relationships and getting on the same page, getting your language the same way. Everybody explains a race car different yeah. uh, in different terms. You know, people from PA are pretty goofy. You know, they explain cars pretty oddly <laughs> yeah. compared to somebody out in California that might be smoking the Magic Dragon a little bit too much. You know, there's a lot of stuff that could be different out there. But uh, Phil is, I don't know where he's really from, Texas, Louisiana, Missouri. So he's got a, he's well-rounded. Yeah. But uh, in terms of just, like, expectations coming in to the season to where you are now, it's kind of the halfway point, I guess a little bit past the halfway point. Where would you kind of uh, address maybe expectations up to this point to, to how you're feeling now heading into the back half of the season here? What are my expectations for the rest of the year? Or? Yeah, well, I mean, you finished right. third in, in points the last – three years and you're third now mm -hmm. so obviously you, you want to be first but are you kind of where you pictured to be in the points race or maybe feel like uh you know you're right up there with donnie and brad um i would say i would be content with third not that that's my goal but I feel if we're able to hang on to third and points this year it'd be a good accomplishment for everybody but uh, you always want more and if we're able to continue on the streak we are right now and keep a good balance of the race car and me driving uh, the way I have been the past couple of weeks, uh, you know, we could make it interesting for a uh, number one or two spot. So mm -hmm. um, you never know what could happen, and we're just going to keep racing and see where we end up. Mm -hmm. Now, your journey up to this point now, I, I was just, like, listening to a one-on-one -on -one podcast that you did with Wing Nation, and um, – you had a choice, right, between driving a micro and a legend car. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Could could you just kind of walk through and just take us back to that time when you maybe had to to choose? All right, like, do I stay on the open wheel dirt like side of things, or do I really try to maybe pursue something in the stock car world? Uh, how would you guys just kind of discern that as a kid, being very young and knowing that you know if you did have your sight set on trying to make a career in racing that uh you had to to choose one or the other well in connecticut there's no dirt track so right and uh, then that too. it was one of the more obvious decisions to get a legend car um it seemed like at that time if you wanted to move up it was a legend car bandolero or you know you weren't old enough to run sk modified or anything like that so we had a sponsor buy a legend car for us and we we drove that on wednesdays and we had a micro sprint and we ran those on saturdays in whip city in massachusetts so we just tried both out i kind of excelled at the micro a little bit faster 
Uh, I think that the legend car, you're racing against grown adults and, and kids in their 20s that have been doing it a while, and uh, we just didn't really have our stuff together, and, you know, it was just a lot harder to be competitive if it was me, if it was our car, I'm not really sure, but um, I just liked the dirt racing better, and yeah. uh, we just decided to go that route, you know. At that time, I'm not thinking about what I'm, where am I going to end up at the end, because you never know. Yeah. But, you know, my ultimate goal as a little kid, you know, you want to be a NASCAR driver whenever right. I was a little kid. So um, at that point, I'm not thinking, oh, if I go asphalt, I'm going to make it somewhere. And if I go dirt, I'm only going to make it to a certain place. So it's one of those things that just made sense for us at the time. And that's just the route we took. You saw your first sprint car race when you were 13, correct? Yeah, I was what? racing micros, uh, traveled to Pennsylvania. We raced at Trailways that night and it got rained out and yeah. uh we traveled over to lincoln and i saw my first race there and you were hooked i mean yeah it just uh the micro right you put a 600 micro next to a sprint car and yeah. the tires are three times the size uh you see them idle in the pits and they're shaking all over the place uh at the end of the straightaway they're still gaining speed where it seems like you know the micros kind of fall off uh and, and you're really hauling ass into the corner so it was one of those things like, man, these are pretty damn cool. And uh, it was just the next progression. It's some, it would have been the easiest transition for me to go to a micro to a 305 or a 360. And that's just the route we took. You just said, like, you know, when you were growing up as a kid, obviously every kid's dream if they get into some form of motorsports is to make it to NASCAR. But uh, were you uh, just more so as a kid just enjoying it, just for the love of it, not really having any kind of sights on, okay, like this is going to be going to be my career. Like, I guess like what I'm trying to ask is, is did you always set your sights on racing and, um, or did you have like other career aspirations outside of racing? I don't think I ever stressed it either way. Like I just raced and that's what I always did. And, uh, hopefully it turned out to be something, you know, it, it wasn't one of those things as, you know, I got to make it as a race car driver or I'm going to be screwed or something. You know what I mean? It's I have a lot of under, other interests in life. And uh, if it didn't work out, I would pursue those other interests. But um, it was one of those things. Uh, we had our own sprint car team for four years with yeah. uh, Ray Capello at JRC Transportation. And after those four years, I had to figure out uh, if I was going to be a race car driver or not. And luckily it worked out. Yeah, Ray, he... Uh cut you a pretty big break didn't he yeah for sure uh he bought my first 600 micro for me uh got to race 270s and 600s and the same night and uh after that uh we started running 360s and um the the backstory is we raced lebanon valley outlaw show with our 360 car and we showed up with our american racers because that's yeah. what we needed for urc and we had to bolt on i believe it was hoosiers at the time with uh the outlaws and uh, we were parked next to the 15 car, and their their truck driver Bob said, "You know what is this a uh, fucking swap meet? Because we had we had stuff laying everywhere, parts. We had to take the wing off the car. You know, we had stuff laying everywhere. And my sponsor Ray was there at the time, and that pissed him off and motivated him. And we actually ran competitive. Like uh, we got lapped with like one lap to go. You know, it, it was a pretty strong run for us, and." Uh, that off season, he found a, a truck and trailer. Somehow he got hooked up with Kistler and Brian Kemenaw, and yeah. he bought three cars with two motors, and they showed up to Connecticut in the trailer 
everything bolted on them, race ready to go. So uh, Ray uh, did that all himself, and that's what formed DDR Motorsports. My dad sold our truck and trailer, our 360 motors, our chassis, pretty much everything, and we, uh, you know, put all that money into DDR and uh, went racing for four years. What were your parents' involvement with your racing career growing up? Were they obviously they were supportive of you, but were they like David? Like we want you maybe to put your time elsewhere, or were they all in? Um, you know, I think they are all in. My mom always asked me, you know, you sure is this what you want to do? And I said, you know, yeah, this is what I've always done. And I never really had aspirations to go to college. I never got really pressure for them to go to college. Yeah. Um, but. You know, my dad's always been 100% into it. He doesn't really understand the racing and mechanical side of it, but he knows how to supply everything we need and made it, made it look pretty. So, um, you know, my mom was busy uh, raising my sisters, and, and my dad was running his business. So right. it was hard to balance all of that. But uh, he made a lot of sacrifices with contracts with companies and, and uh, you know, getting kickbacks uh, for doing a lot of business with them and, really took money away from the business and took away m money from his personal life uh, mm -hmm. to go racing. But it's one of those things that it worked out. He ended up uh, forming a little trucking company up with Ray after okay. our race team closed down. And, you know, uh, I know my sister's college isn't cheap either, but I, in his world, I went to college <laughs> for like 10 years. And <laughs> she's only going for like five. So definitely mine was still more expensive. And your dad... Would you say he, like, planted the seed uh, of what we're seeing now, you know, the... He's the dad. one that got me to start yeah. racing? Uh, yeah, he, uh, I was, like, five, I think. He yeah. showed me a picture of a quarter midget, and uh, it was 1999 or 1998, and asked me if I wanted to race it, and I said, yeah, let's let's try it out. And it was 1500 bucks, and my dad couldn't afford to pay for it at once so we had to make a payment plan on the $1,500 car we had a Chevy pickup that was a straight axle that my dad converted to a dually that he bought smashed and we started with like a six foot trailer that was just big enough to fit the quarter midget in there so we didn't have anything too impressive to start off but you know his uh his business took off a couple years after that and uh you know it all worked out when did things get like really serious for you like okay like I see something in myself that uh, can take me far. Well, that's the thing, you know. I always won in quarter midgets. I had a successful year in micros, but when you jump into that sprint car world, you know, you right. don't know. Like we you always went straight to it. Right? We, we 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 took it serious in quarter midgets. I ran three classes, traveled to Sacramento, Portland, Prim, Nevada, Terre Haute, Indiana, Indianapolis, Atlanta, Georgia. Florida. We were all over the place in quarter midgets, so we took it serious there. Uh, my uncle, which called him Uncle Earl, he was always my crew chief, and he was the hard ass of the team. You know, he, uh, I was crying a lot of times getting out of that car if I did something wrong. He, he let me know it. So, um, in that aspect, we took it extremely serious. Um, if I messed up, you know, I mm -hmm. had to fix it. So, um, so I'd say we take it serious from the beginning. You know, there's always kids that. You could tell race quarter midgets just for fun or their stuff wasn't yeah. that nice. They didn't take care of it. They didn't run very good. Like, we always, luckily, were successful but always had good equipment. Um, and they, my Earl and everybody put in the time to make everything nice and good. So um, when did I think I, you know, 
think to get serious when we had our own sprint car team had it for four years and we we're, were on the all-star tour you know we couldn't really afford to pay crew guys uh, so I had to do I never did the motor or anything like that but I did a lot of tire work and a lot of car maintenance but um, we, we weren't able to afford to have two or three guys we always had one guy and kind of filled in with whoever so um, it was getting serious there at the end where I knew that uh, I had to perform or figure something out when this team ended uh, so I had a job because I was just wasn't making any money with our own team all the money from the race car went back into the race car so yeah um, you just had to make it happen and you know just things happen for a reason I was just long for the ride I feel like if you're gonna make it in this sport you know you get a, a break here or there that to get you where you are you know everybody needs a break once in a while to, yeah. to make it happen your 2010 all-star win at lima land during ohio sprint speed week would you say that well first how would you just kind of recollect that night and that moment and would you say that that was the moment that you know really uh that was a, a springboard for me well knowing now <laughs> I kicked Phil's butt that night because he worked on Brad Sweet's car that night. He ran okay. second, so he tried to si slide me last lap, lap corner, last corner. So happy I got to beat Phil that night, and I never even knew him. But um, it was great, man. It was uh, <laughs> one, our best week of my career. Um, I never won an All Star show till then. We didn't finish outside the top ten all week. I think we ran all eight or nine nights, whatever it was that year. Yeah. And uh, You won the Speed Week title. Too. Yeah, yeah, we won the Speed Week title. So that's why it was like the best week ever to that point. You know, just was consistent all week. We should have won two races, but I ran out of fuel on the last lap and ended up finishing second, uh, coasting to the line. So we had a solid week, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. And, you know, to get that first win, you know, Tim Schaefer and Dale Blaney were really, really good. Those were the primes of their career i i believe you know george yeah. fisher uh and dale and brian kavanaugh and tim schaefer were at least two of the top 10 best guys at that time in the country i don't know about top five but you know tim schaefer won a lot of races in those couple years there so mm -hmm. um those guys beat me a lot i was in contention with a lot of races and their experience uh definitely beat me so uh to get that first win was really cool you're what 27 now Yep. Is that right? You yep. broke your back when you were 17, so that was 10 years ago. So that was yep. 2009. So that was after, you know, your, like, recovery and everything, right? Like, yep. how f how fresh was that when you won that, coming off uh, your back injury and, like, everything like that? Could you, like, walk us through that? Uh, yeah. So that was my first year with the All-Star deal in DDR Motorsports. And it was at the end of the season. And uh, broke my back, cracked my T5 vertebrae. I was still in high school, obviously, and uh, had to wear a back brace for several months in school and got to leave class five minutes early and get there five minutes earlier, too, so it wasn't that great. But was able to leave class five minutes early, so that was cool. Five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I got an extra five minutes out of there. Three seconds. Yep, so... <laughs> You know, the recovery thing wasn't too bad. I don't really remember doing too, too much physical therapy. I think uh, I just wore the brace. I went to Ortho Indy, and Dr. Trammell took care of me out there. And, uh, you know, I think it was a fairly easy recovery. It was good I was young. Um, you know, I still feel it in my back a little bit, but it's not something that kills me or hurts me a lot. Yeah. So 
Uh, I could tell it's there, but it's not too bad. But, um, you know, at the end of that season, I was starting to run good. I was actually leading that race, and either the oil filter was not on tight or the gasket blew out of my oil filter and leaked every ounce of oil out of that motor. And uh, so to end the year leading a race and blowing up the motor and break my back was a terrible deal. Um, then going to, into the next year, you know, uh, hopefully I wasn't scared. Hopefully, uh, you know, I could still do it, and uh, it seemed to be a fine transition. Did you think your career was maybe in jeopardy after that point? Like, I don't know, like, the severity of that, or I was mean, it just, like, let this heal and things will be back to normal here soon? Yeah, I mean, you know, after I broke my back, I... Uh, got a hybrid that Safety Solutions made at the time. I had a Hans Weiss when I broke my back. Uh-huh. I always had a Butler built seat, and I added an insert after that. Okay. So I tried to add a couple safety things that would hopefully help me out in that regard. Um, but my mom, you know, that was a time was like, you know, you sure you want to do this? Uh, but when the doctor tells you, you know, your back's broken, I passed out in the doctor's room when he told me that info. So. You know, it wasn't a good feeling at all, and yeah. you don't know, you know, right? Are you, are you fragile? But, I, you know, I don't know the, the fine details, but I believe I only needed a back brace because my bones healed back together because if it, your vertebra, vertebrae pr- cracked, I'm guessing that it must heal back together. That's why I only needed a brace. So I'm yeah. guessing it healed back together, but, you know, it's one of those things, uh, you know, you never know anything's possible, and, you always run that risk, but I tried to mm-hmm. buy the best safety equipment out there and hopefully make the right decisions as a driver to put yourself not in bad positions. You know, I feel then I was pretty fearless. I feel like now I drive more like a older driver trying to put yourself in too bad of spots, but be aggressive when you have to. In high school, what uh, what social group did you associate like yourself with? Were you a jock were you a band uh, guy like in the band <laughs> like you know like a oh i i know what i would like to <laughs> say right now <laughs> or, or I, but i'm not gonna say it but redneck no <laughs> no so, i i grew up in kind of the city a little bit like where my parents live was in the country but i went to school in a city called waterbury where my dad's yeah business was but it was a private high school so we had a mixed mixed group of people. Um, I actually hung out with a decent amount of black kids, played a lot of basketball, um, and hung around a lot of those guys. I was never able to be a jock because I didn't have the time to be in the workout room. You know, I liked playing basketball and football. I played freshman football. I tried out for the basketball team, didn't make it, but we have a really we had a really good basketball program, but uh, it was one of those things. I loved playing sports, you know, as a kid. A lot of wiffle ball, a lot of football, a lot of basketball. So did all those things. And uh, I was kind of wandering around a little bit, you know. Didn't I was just – I left Friday every uh, – during the racing season, left Friday early every yeah. weekend. So I wasn't home yeah, a lot of weekends to yeah. interact with high school kids and, and be in the cool clique. I think my senior year, I always had a nice car and uh-huh. sounded cool, looked cool. Obviously, my dad owning a body shop, so um, was able to uh, have cool-looking stuff. Um, but, you know, I'd say at the last year and senior year, I, 
I hung around with, you would say, the cool kids, but they were into drinking and partying a lot, and I just really didn't have time for that. Yeah, no, for sure. But um, with where you're at now, I mean, obviously, you're 27. Like like I said earlier, uh, you come third in the points the last three years. You're third in the points now. Where do you feel like – or how much time do you really sit back or just try to figure out, like, okay, like how can I try to close the gap – um, when you look at the whole body of work from the start of the season to the end of the season to to where Donnie and like Brad have been recently, yeah, you know uh, when I won eighteen races that one year, I still finished right. third in points, and you look back at the stats and uh you you just uh try to figure out how the heck you close that gap. I think Donnie still beat me by over uh a hundred points it It's one of those things uh you look back at the end of the year and you'd be like, you know, what's the main difference here? How are these guys beating us in points so bad? Yeah. And it, it's just the top fives. It's getting in the dash more often. Even if you don't qualify good, Brad and Donnie usually somehow find their way in the dash most of the time. And that's what makes them really consistent and tough is getting in that dash nearly every night. Mm -hmm. And, uh, at the end of the day, whoever has the most top fives is probably going to win the points. Mm -hmm. And I guess it goes without saying, your your first full season with one team was 2016. Is that right? On the yeah, it was CJB. Yeah, yep. So that that really hasn't been that long, I guess, in terms of having the consistency with one team the whole year. Uh, you had nine wins that year after a winless 2015 but then like you said you had 18 wins in 2017 five wins last year you got five wins now well first how uh what's your favorite like memory of jason johnson and um how would you describe the experience so far just like racing in his 41 oh you know that's tough to say my favorite moment with him you know I love kids, so I always like, you know, the t-shirt tra trailer gig when I was driving my van or driving the t-shirt trailer that CJB had, you know. You'd you'd be around the drivers more, I feel, during that time than you would at the races because you're kind of busy doing your own thing at the track, being focused on the racetrack and, and what's changing and what line you got to run. So, you know, my favorite moment with him, I would say just playing basketball or whatever with Jackson in the, the t-shirt area um you know jason was a tough person to understand he had that uh louisiana accent which was always <laughs> different and funny you know and yeah. his, uh so just talking to him he was always uh a little different but like uh me and brian kemenaugh are tight and and jason and brian kemenaugh were tight and we we stayed at i stayed there when he stayed there a couple times and was able to see him then and and all that stuff but you know jason was pretty focused and busy person you know something's breaking down in that motorhome or that t-shirt trailer yeah. or he's got to manage the team or try to work some new deal uh to try to get to keep keep the team going so he was a busy person and uh you know he uh he built a, a small empire for sure how would you just kind of look back at your time just with uh cjb you know you had what uh 32 wins over three years i mean that's that that's really good uh how would you just kind of look back at your time with them and what did you learn with them that you are will always like apply yeah you know a lot of people didn't know i you know i was rookie of the year 2013 but i actually didn't run every race that year so 
to get my first shot. You know, the year before that, I started the year with Roth and got fired and, and jumped on Destiny Motorsports. So, you know, to be with uh, one of the best teams in the country and to get, finally get my first shake uh, was definitely cool. And, you know, to win nine races, I, my biggest total before that, I think, was five mm-hmm. or four. I forget. So to go five from, and 14. Five, yeah. So to go yeah. from five wins and 14 to none and 15 and then, you know, to win – to win nine races and finish third in the points, you know, was a huge improvement from anything I did in the past. And, um, you know, it was, it was good, man. You know, so far, every place that I've been has served its purpose in my career. And I had three great years at CJB and, uh, you know, so did they and was able to win the national open for them for a PA based team, PA based crew guys. And, uh, that was really cool, and the perfect night at Knoxville, you know. Yeah. Who knows if that will ever be done ever again. So yeah. uh, it was cool to get that done, and like I said, it served its purpose. I learned a lot. Barry's a smart guy in this sport and, and has innovated a lot of things. So uh, just learning different mindsets and, and how to do things or how not to do things, um, it's all a learning experience, and you got to soak that all up. Uh, the check is sitting behind you there, but $25,000, like, what what can that do for your team? Like you don't have to break down like every penny and like every dollar, but what can that do for your team here? Well, you know, the biggest thing is engine rebuilds are you know six to ten thousand dollars every rebuild, and you know we just had two motors at Kistler, so if that could cover one or two rebuilds, that's you know huge for your team and uh, to keep this deal going. So. You know, Bobby sells a lot of T-shirts and relies on that to support the team. But mm-hmm. uh, the better the race car does, the more money the race car brings in and, and helps keep it going. So, uh, you know, this you know, this month here, starting with, you know, the Brad Doty Classic on to till after Knoxville is super important for your race team. You race a lot, you travel a lot, but you're able to, if you have a good month, you know, earn a lot of money. So uh, a good month of money makes or breaks your season and, you know, hopefully we could continue running well, and hopefully we could run good at nationals. You know, uh, everything's been going well right now, but I yeah. really want to have a good run at na- nationals for sure. You got a sweet-looking ride, too, for the Knoxville Nationals. Exalta is obviously coming on board. Um, could you kind of break down how how that all came about? Yeah, it's definitely a cool deal, man. Uh, I post that picture of me sitting in that DuPont 24 cars, a little kid. <laughs> um I didn't, you know, Jeff Gordon went to the Nationals a bunch of years and helped out, you know, uh, Larson Marks Racing and, and Shane Stewart, and I never met the guy at all, ever. And uh, this year at Chili Bowl, uh, I went back to my hotel at the Hard Rock Casino, and I uh, was having a couple of drinks with my friends at the bar, and uh, Jeff came with in our circle, and I was at Rico, and Rico knew him, and Jeff started talking to me all night long and got his phone number and was with, was with him till three in the morning and uh we had a good time and i just kept in touch with him and you know he wanted to try to help me out any way he could and he promised me uh he tried to get me a a sponsor for nationals and you know hopefully one day uh get me a ride at eldora for the truck race and um you know he was able to uh come through and get us a a ride for nat or a sponsor for nationals and uh, i've been talking to him a lot um I went and visited him in the booth when uh, we were in Charlotte for the Coca-Cola 600 racing there. And uh, he, my girlfriend's sister, uh, 
sang at the national anthem at the nationwide race in Atlanta and brought Jill and my my fiance now uh, in his motor home, showed them all around, toured them around. So he's been super nice. And well, he got you guys passes for Vegas, right? Yeah, that's cool. Got, got my crew guys hot passes for Vegas, and uh, so he's been awesome. He's been a man of his word, and uh, glad to call him a friend. That's awesome. Um, does the grind like ever catch up to you? Just going from you know state to state, track to track, on the road all the, all the time, and um, does it ever catch up to you? And what do you do as a driver to decompress like when it does? For sure. I If anybody tells you they don't get pissy throughout the year, they're lying to you. And I don't care how much you love the sport. When it's 90 degrees and you're racing four times a week and you got to travel a couple hours in between races, it gets tough. And it gets hard to stay happy and stay positive. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, you got to enjoy with who you work with because if not, it's pretty miserable sometimes. And um, our job is not really a, a real job in terms of what we get to do and how much fun we get to have but it's a lot of man hours for these guys and it's a lot of time away from home away from your loved ones your family so everybody makes sacrifices um i have it the easiest out of everybody and what keeps me going is being able to fly home uh, about once a month or something you know the month of money you really can't fly home but uh, after the nationals i could fly home every couple weeks and uh, stay fresh that way but I have a house now I own that I need to take care of and, and all those things. So um, it, it's a struggle for sure, and that's the reason why I don't run Australia. You know, I run Chili Bowl now every year because I have fun doing it. I don't make any money doing it, but I just have fun Still, doing it. Yeah, and I feel bowl. like I'm, I'm doing pretty well at it. And, you know, if I win a Chili Bowl main event, I feel like that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, hopefully one day I'll be able to do that. But. It's one of those things. I don't know how Donnie Schatz races as much as he does. You know, he's not racing the sprint car. He'll throw in late model races, and then he'll go to Australia for several weeks. Um, You know, to me, it's just tough. I don't don't race too much outside the outlaw schedule because I want to stay fresh. I want to stay hungry, and I feel like you can wear yourself out. And uh, some guys don't, but I do. I have a lot of other interests and a lot of other hobbies, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to live a well-balanced life. I don't want to just commit 100% to one thing and then regret regret missing out on something else in life. When I was talking with Kyle Larson last year, I just kind of asked him, like, you know, who's one guy out here that reminds you of you in terms of uh, going from sprint cars and maybe having success in the stock car world? And he said you. Um, and you just, like, talked about your relationship with Jeff Gordon now and how how much do you still think about is NASCAR feasible like for me right now? Is is that still a, maybe a goal of yours at this point in your life? I mean, it's always a goal of mine because growing up in Connecticut, we'd go to New Hampshire or we would go to Dover. You know, we didn't go to sprint car races. It was just one of those things that wasn't in our family. It wasn't a tradition for us. We didn't have a sprint car track right down the road. So being introduced into sprint car racing – 13 years old I loved it and I still love it and uh, it's one of those things you always have the ultimate goal I feel like if you're a baseball player if you make it to AAA I mean that's really cool but yeah I'm sure any AAA player would love to play in the major leagues um, you know a lot of kids get to play D1 football but right. they would kill to be in the NFL and and that's the thing uh, I think our sports extremely healthy and our purses are going up and that's all great um, but 
you know, at my age, I'm a little bit older, and NASCAR is all about funding and people paying the bills. Right. And it'll be very hard for somebody to pay the bill for me being 27 and not having much asphalt experience. So if I was maybe 23 and uh, it would maybe be a little bit different story, but, Mm -hmm. you know, people I feel like have the wrong outlook. I'm a better race car driver now than when I was 21, and I feel like I would adapt uh, pretty quickly. But it's one of those things, man, I'm not going to lose sleep about it. Uh, Do I wish uh, I had the shot Kyle Larson or Christopher Bell had? Of course I would, but uh, if it's not my cards, I'm still extremely lucky to make it as far as I have. I've been able to make a good living. I've been able to buy one of my dream cars i have a nice house you know so yeah you always want more but you know i i pray i have a pretty good alternative and i'm just going to keep racing hard or winning the most races i can and and whatever happens happens who's one nascar guy that you would like to see race a sprint car like well dale jr is always <laughs> yeah dale jr has always been my guy but after his concussions he's definitely not the guy to be in a sprint car. Yeah, right. Uh, maybe, you know, 10 years ago he would have been. But other than that, it's tough to say. I, I think, like, Kyle Busch is really talented and yeah. and kind of has no fear. You know, obviously I can't say Bell or Larson um, or Tony Stewart. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm really good friends with Ryan Priest. We came from the same uh, quarter okay. midget track, and I've known him a long time. Uh, Joey Logano, we came from the same quarter midget track. So, you know, I'd like to see those guys give it a shot. Um, I think Joey Logano might poop his pants a little bit with 900 <laughs> horsepower on dirt. Uh, Ryan Ryan ran a little micros in his day, so he might be a little bit okay, but I think they'd be very surprised by how gnarly they are, that's for sure. Yeah. I would like to see the reaction and be like, you know, they'll, they'll have way more respect for a wing sprint car driver if you – bring them to Eldora, Williams Grove, Charlotte, Knoxville, Port Royal, Volusia. If you bring them any of those places for yeah. the first time, no doubt they're going to need an extra pair of shorts. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but be- before we let you go here, um, who's your hero? Uh, what's a hardship that – actually, I'll just ask you first. Who's your hero? My hero? Um I'd probably just my dad. Uh, I can't pick a sprint car driver or another driver because I don't really know their personal life. Um, you know, my dad just uh, always worked really hard. He's been a very, uh, you know, he's not selfish at all. He's sacrificing for his family every day. Uh, whatever my family needs, he, he got the job done. Uh, he supplied me with, uh, you know, good equipment and gave my sisters good education in college uh, gave my mom a nice house. You know, he just seemed to always make it happen for everybody. So, you know, hopefully one day I can do that for my kids. And, um, you know, he really loves racing now. And hopefully he could sell his business one day and, and just go enjoy himself. What's a hardship that's uh, kind of formed you and made you into the person you are now? And what's the greatest highlight of, of your racing career? hardship would just be you know being tight on money with the ddr uh racing team not running well maybe for a couple stretches or crashing a couple cars and Mm -hmm. my dad calling uh ray calling you know asking if i really want to do this if we don't get your shit together you know we're gonna bring it home and it's and it's gonna end so uh you know that that would be the tough thing you know sleeping in the trailer and uh not getting hotel rooms and 
you know, just uh, just struggling out there, getting beat by really good guys, kind of entering the 410 world a little over our head. We probably weren't prepared to uh, be racing with the guys we were, but, you know, there's only one way to figure that out is going and try it. So um, I feel like that made me better. You know, I did a lot of work on the car myself and a lot of, a lot of the tires, like I said before, and mm-hmm. Rob Hart was one of my first main crew chiefs, and he's a tough guy, and he's more of like a military-style guy doesn't let you screw off and you got to be focused and clean and and do things a certain way and he taught me a lot of things at a young age what about your highlight too Uh, my biggest highlight of my career i mean that's the a really hard thing to pick one i i would say my first one was be my first outlaw win at uh talladega short track kind of shocking the world because 2012 yeah 2012 i think i had one or two all-star wins to that date and to win an outlaw show, you know, nobody picked me to to win that race that night. And uh, we started, I think, six in the A main and drive drove past Donnie, Steve, and Jason Myers. And Jason Myers was on like a five or six win streak, and you know, drove drove by those guys in the slick. And to win that night for uh, our team, the 89G, uh, we had Tyler Swank and Kyle Ripper on our team at that time, and mm-hmm. that was just probably the coolest moment because. We drove by a lot of good guys, and, uh, you know, to be our family team, to get it done, it was, you know, we had Mopar engines. Nobody else had Mopar engines. Yeah. You know, uh, it was just an awesome feeling. Yeah, awesome. Well, that's all I have for you now, David. Thank you so much uh, for taking some time to chat and come on the podcast. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, David. Yeah, thank you, man, and uh, hopefully do this again sometime. And that was our conversation with what about all sprint car series driver David Gravel. Thank you so much, David, again for taking some time to come on the show. Hope to have David back on uh, at some point in the future. But before we wrap up the show here today, just want to give a quick preview and rundown on what's happening in the Mid Atlantic region this upcoming weekend, or I should say this week. Matter of fact, it is a PA Midget Week for the USAC NOS Energy Drink uh, National Midget Series. They are in Pennsylvania this week. I will be heading to Path Valley uh, Speedway. Uh, park uh, on Thursday night uh, for the USAC NOS Energy Drink uh, Midgets, Kyle Larson, Christopher Bell, uh, and a host of national stalwarts like Logan Seavey uh, expected to be racing at Path Valley on Thursday night. I will be there in attendance. Uh, and then I will also be at the Ultimate Northeast Super Late Model Series race at Hagerstown Speedway on Saturday night. That's where you will find me this weekend. Uh, but other Super Late Model action, Lernerville Speedway in action on Friday night. Del Mar also in action on Saturday night. Port Royal and Sealands Grove Speedways also in action on Saturday night. Uh, Port Royal also hosts uh, the 10,000 to win Living Legends 410 Sprint Car Series uh, Dream Race on Saturday night up at the Speed Palace. Williams Grove Speedway back to weekly racing on Friday night. Lincoln Speedway, uh, they also have their 410 uh, Sprint Car Weekly Series on Saturday night as well. Uh, That's what's big going on this weekend. Uh, But before we sign off here today, make sure you follow us on Instagram at the Motorsports Dig. Uh, Make sure you follow Turn 5 Turnaround on Twitter at Turn 5 Turnaround. Make sure you like Turn 5 Turnaround on Facebook and check out Dirt Track of Tuesday's latest shows with Danny Wilson uh, and the Turn 5 crew. You don't want to miss those, uh, Danny Wilson and Turn 5, uh, our Turn 5 colleagues have been putting out some some great content on Facebook uh, so make sure you go over uh, to Turn 5 Turnaround on Facebook make sure you watch our shows Uh, make sure you subscribe to us on all major podcasting platforms that includes Apple Podcasts Spotify Google Podcasts and iHeart 
radio. Uh, if you would like uh, to contact me, you can email me at kfad32 at gmail.com. That is kfadd32 at gmail.com. I also want to give a quick shout-out to Worldwide Sprint Car Fans, a Facebook group that allows us to post uh, this podcast um, for all you race fans to see uh, and hear. Uh, I definitely want to make sure this this thing grows and, and tailor it to the race fans uh, and, and what you guys want to see uh, and hear from. Uh, make sure you email me. I want to hear your feedback, the good and the bad. Uh, I'm here for constructive criticism, uh, and I'm also here uh, for your feedback as well. Uh, but, no, that's all we have for the show here today. And until next time, just remember to just keep digging.